With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. George, what was the, the last couple of minutes like from, from your point of view? Let me ask you, how was it for you guys? Yeah, just a little bit of a roller coaster. Like, that was wild. Uh... A lot of ups and downs, a lot of unknowns. Um, I think the Niners make for great TV. Plenty of great TV over the weekend. Five playoff games. Chris having to work on a Monday. How dare. The first Monday in a long, long time. <laughs> at least you got to sleep last night. At I did. At least you were home at a reasonable hour, That's not right. 3 a.m. or whatever it is. Yes, so. you're right. I'm not complaining. I'll, I'll take this schedule over, you know, yes, doing a post-game show where <clears throat> I'm going up, going to bed at 2.30, <clears throat> excuse me, as I'm choking on myself, 3 o'clock. It's good. And, like, this is usually like the most fun show of the week. So that's where I'm like, so I was sad when I first, you know, figured out we weren't going to be doing Mondays together, but now I'm happy. And because it's just so easy, you get to talk ball. We get to react to everything we saw yesterday and have a lot of fun. And really, Mike, I get to be back with you, which, you know, I like, I like you a lot. Well, see, and, and you, you really took the steam out of the smart ass <laughs> remark I was going to make. I was going to agree <laughs> with you that for the last 18 weeks, Monday was the most fun show <laughs> of the you. week. Thank you, <laughs> with Mike Golick. <laughs> Very much. It was the most fun, and now and now I can't. Now say I that. made you feel I bad because I said I like you. I a feel lot. bad. Yeah, right. I feel bad, so I don't say that. Yeah, right. I don't sure. Say that. But I just you want you to anyways. know. Yeah. <laughs> I just want you to know that I was thinking about saying it. Thank until you. So you said that, and then I decided not to say what I said. Uh, <laughs> a lot of things were said yesterday, probably a few four-letter words from Cowboys fans for a variety of we- reasons. Although, although, at some level, you have to be proud of the Cowboys for not crumbling after they crumbled. 23-7, to they didn't give up. It yeah. felt like it was over. It felt like they were, yeah, but, uh, oh, we, uh, they're only down two scores. Well, good luck. Good luck getting those, 
those 16 points when you've only managed seven and you've you've let the 49ers score 23. So, you know, it really did take on a different vibe, though, and we got a lot to unpack with that game. Yeah, we but do a lot. Th- this all comes back to the problem that the 49ers are going to continue to have until they have another quarterback because what happens? He's good enough to put you up 23-7, and he's bad enough to let the other team hang around, whether it's missing a wide-ass open Brandon Ayuk, which for which would have been a, a, a huge gain it would have when been. it was right. 23-7, or, or the inexplicable overthrow that resulted in the interception that helped fuel the comeback yeah. by the Cowboys that took it all the way down to the last play of the game. No, uh, Mike, I have the same thought. I'm glad you started there. I, first off, I know we're going to talk about a lot of the controversies and things that went on at the end of the football game. At the end of the day, I can get over the controversy a little bit, and I know we'll we'll dive into it to where, again, I, I think it's a little more blown out of proportion than it should be. I can get over it at the end of the day because I, I've clearly, as a viewer, and I think you had the same feeling, that the San Francisco 49ers were clearly the better football team on the field throughout Sunday. Yes, it came down to one guy, but it was domination for the most part of the football game. Like you said, even at 23-7, to there they are. Dallas is desperate. It's a wide-open Brandon Ayuk, like you, like you talked about. He throws it over his head, and, I mean, we're talking about a gain of – I mean, who knows? At least 25 yards, probably more than that with the way it looked and nobody in the screen to where they're going to be down in field goal range once again, you know, another first down or or so. So that's where I look at it, and I know there's a lot there, but I did think that the 49ers showed that they were in a little bit of a different class than the Dallas Cowboys. Give them credit for hanging around. They made their plays when they had to, but uh, I don't think there was any doubt in my mind, you know, like I said, who the better team was. Not something you expect when the three seed takes on the six no. seed. And right. Michael Irvin was on NFL Network yesterday morning, a clear and obvious Cowboys partisan, as Tony Romo also seemed to be during the call of the game. But Irvin was like, you know, everybody's picking against us. And you know what? He was right. Everybody was picking against the Cowboys because everybody knew that the 49ers, even though they went through some rough patches, they had a four-game losing streak in the regular season. Yeah. But once they got their guys back healthy, right. we knew what they were capable of doing, what they were capable of being, and they're good enough to overcome a quarterback who is just bad enough to keep them from possibly what they're trying to do. But that's going to be the theme every week. It seems like it. When they, when they go to Green Bay, right? Can Jimmy G do enough to help them win without doing enough to help them lose? And yeah. yesterday, it, it was just on the right side. But this week, you, you just don't you have this feeling that one of these weeks it's going to be just enough bad Jimmy G takes down the 49. That, that, it's what scares me. It, it does. I mean, it, yes, again, like he tried to do that the year they went to the Super Bowl. You know, this type of throw here for this, what we're talking about, a quarterback who's been winning, gone to a Super Bowl, I, I mean, it, it's a head-scratcher. Not not only to miss the target, but miss the target so egregiously that the the wide receiver who's athletic as hell can't even get a hand on it. You know, that that's where you just go, what? I mean, he made some throws and plays during the game, and you just go, how does that happen? Or the Brandon Ayuk play like we talked about just earlier, where you just go, wait, you were kind of sharp, and not that you're sitting here as a superstar, but you were hitting all the open receivers, and then you have moments like that in some of the biggest moments of the football game. And I think that is scary. The 40, <clears throat> excuse me, is my second choke there. The 49ers, and Mike, I think you're on the same page as me here, they're a Super Bowl football team. 
They really are. You know, and again, what they did to the Dallas offensive line yesterday, just dominating it. The Dallas defensive line having issues stopping the run, even though they knew it was going to be about the run game and it wasn't going to be about Jimmy Garoppolo. That's when you know you're a good team, when you can kind of physically impose your will, and now you have a coach also who's creative off of that. that that's what makes them dangerous. But damn that quarterback, Mike. Question mark, question mark, question mark. And I know that there are plenty of 49ers fans out there who may be watching. If you're watching it live and you live in California, thank you very much. You may want to take an Ambien because it's 4.10 a.m. local time. You can watch it on demand. But either way, 49ers fans are not going to want to hear this coming right out of the gates. But you need to hear it because deep down you know. You know that this is the thing that's going to give you restless nights. It's the reason you need Ambien between now and whenever the 49ers postseason run ends. And a lot of times fans don't want to hear it. No. Whether it's a two-anon reaction, or I guess in this case it would be a, a Jimmy-non or a Gianon reaction, you get these fans that are so caught up in the rooting interest that they are incapable of taking a step back and being objective no question. about the situation. And any objective assessment of the 49ers requires an acknowledgement that Garoppolo is good enough to help you win and bad enough to make you lose. And you never know which side of that coin is going to land. And now you have to spend the next several days worrying that bad Jimmy is going to rear his ugly head. Not that he's ugly. But bad Jimmy is. This is Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. You need to come up with a a good name for Mr. Hyde. Dr. Jimmy and Mr. Something will accept submissions at Twitter, respond to at Pro Football Talk. Dr. Jimmy and Mr. Mr. Pick, I don't know. Yeah, right. Mr. INT something. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, you're right. It's something along those lines. Somebody more creative Um, than us (laughs) to figure it out. Here's, Or at least somebody who isn't in the middle of doing a live show while trying to brainstorm (laughs) ideas for snarky (laughs) names to go along with Dr. Jimmy. Um, here's Kyle Shanahan from after the game yesterday talking about the 49ers' ability to tough out close victories. That's the cool thing about football. I mean, it's, it's never a seven-game series, so there's lots of ways to win one game. Um, and I think that's why people enjoy watching football. It's one game, and um, it's, there's so many different ways to win it. I like to think that we have a team built to do it. Um, you do that through experience, and I think we won a number of different ways this year. And um, I'd like to finish people out better there at the end. Uh, I don't think we should have gave the ball back to them, um, which we definitely um, should not have um, with that uh, mess up on fourth and one. Um, but I'm just proud of the guys that even when you did hit some bad adversity, that they found a way to still win and um, gives us a chance to keep trying to get better. Yes, the mess up on fourth and one, and it was fourth and like one inch, and it took forever to get to the point with the re-spot, the me- measurement, review, re-spot, Remeasurement, and finally they did the fourth and inches play, and it looked like the 49ers iced the game. But alas, they they got themselves in a spot where somebody had moved prematurely, and that pushed the ball back five yards, forced a punt that yeah. gave the opportunity to the Cowboys. And there's how close it was. Knee down. Where's the ball? Bring out the sticks. Do the whole thing. And I appreciate the effort to get it right. I, I They call it a game of inches, but, you know, the problem is it's it's a loose game of inches at times. And you really are dealing with estimates. And because we still do the two sticks with 10 yards of chain in yeah, between this is them, the perfect it's not example. as exact. Right. This is exactly, exactly, you're right, exactly the situation yeah. where chips in the football, some, some sort of 
a technological device would have made this all moot. Now, I don't know. See, there are forces in the league that like what we just saw. They like the stretching the of drama. the stick. Yeah. And they like that. And they like that. And I'm telling you, you put that stick down and you need a protractor as well to make sure it's a 90 degree angle. Because you move that thing to 89 or 88 and it's a first down. Yeah, you move right. it to 91 or 92 and it's not a first down. So uh, I think they made the comment that all they needed was Gene Steratore's index card yesterday, which is, <laughs> that's, a, and, and it just, it is a stark reminder of how old school and low tech the NFL is even today. And I don't sense, Chris, a real push that any of that is ever going to change. No, I don't. I think there's some coaches that want it. There is, but they're not going to like, you know, grumble about it too much. You know, they understand they don't want to hear the league and come down on them that way. But I, I'm with you, Mike. It doesn't seem like it's like we're a, oh, I hear, you know, we're a year away. I don't ever hear rumors like that from anybody I know in football. You're right. I think they'd kind of like this drama. They must like the human error to a degree. But yesterday, that play especially was a play where it would have came very handy. It's a critical part of the football game. And it got very boring for like four minutes, too. So that, that's where it would, ne you know, clean things up. You know, for the for the younger child, whatever, who's watching the game going, damn, what are they doing? Why is this guy looking at the Microsoft tablet for the last five minutes, mom? What is going on here? And yeah, and added to the fact, like, I'm not sure they got it right. I, I don't know. I've watched that replay 20 times now, and I'm going, wait, they really can tell that the ball was down three inches before where they spotted it? I mean, they moved it back three inches. Uh, that, that, to me, is where it's, it's just a little phony and, and hokey that way. And the problem is that pad that's on the ground, that doesn't really tell us anything. It no. looked like he got the first down, but there is a way to create and implement the technology that would make it exact. You would know exactly that the 10 yards were gained or not gained. And look, at the end of the day, and we've talked about this not long ago, that people justify the lack of money being spent to get the highest possible technological standards by saying, well, sometimes it screws you and sometimes it helps you. I mean, you know, call like that, hurt the Cowboys, help the 49ers, set the 40, or no, the other way around. What did it do? It, hurt, it helped the helped the Cowboys and hurt, hurt the 49ers. The 49ers but right. regard, yeah, and there's always, you know, you, you flip that coin. For every bad call, there's, there's a team that benefits from it. But the other side of it too, Chris, is, and this leads to the last play of the game, you have to factor the inefficiencies of the human beings who are officiating the game into your decision-making when 14 seconds are on the clock, when you have the ball on the 41-yard line, when you decide that you're going to, now that the 49ers have figured out, maybe we should defend the sidelines. Yeah. Maybe. Which took just three maybe. plays too long. Right. Maybe we should defend the I don't know what they were was, thinking there. Hey, Chris, it was starting to remind me of the defense that New Orleans deployed right, in the, against the Vikings. Minneapolis yes. Miracle Game. Yes. You got all these guys wasted in the middle of the field. Right. Those guys in the middle of the field aren't going to do crap, and I almost said the other word. I've been coming so close <laughs> in recent days to saying that word. I'm but, rubbing off. But you, you saw it. They all fanned yeah. out, and they, they, they fanned out. Whoa, whoa, okay. It was a perfect setup. It was a perfect setup. You know, for, for all the stuff that Mike McCarthy will try to do from time to time that, to show he's a good coach, this was the perfect setup 
for the play that he's had in his back pocket for weeks. They practice it every week. Quarterback draw in order to get yourself a situation where you don't have to go Hail Mary to try to win the game. Great idea. Horrible execution on the back end. Usually execution is the issue on the front end. This is bad execution on the back end. Dak Prescott goes down too late. Dak Prescott doesn't give the ball to an official, which he must do. You got to give the ball to the official. You don't get to spot the ball. Actually, when you watch when the slide starts, it was more like the 26. No doubt. You don't get to decide where the play ended. No. You don't get to say, hey, here, here's center. Get ready. Well, the official has I'm to so touch the ball. I'm so glad you're saying this. I'm so glad you're saying this because when you listen to him in his postgame press conference, he thinks he did everything right because he handed the ball to the center. And to me, to, to me, this is, again, where the detail, you know, the Cowboys, are, they're not necessarily the most detailed team in the world. Again, it's every week they complain about the referees. And then every week I watch the game and I go, they were egregious. They were all justified penalties. What are you talking about, Dallas Cowboys? Stop complaining about the referees. It's pass interference. It's holding. It's one thing after another. They're blatant. They're in your face. And they act like, I don't know why the refs are calling it on us. I can't stand that about the Cowboys right now. Then that, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. It, it reminds me of the old Chip Kelly offense when he first came to the NFL and they wanted to go, 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 and he was harping on his guys, as soon as you're tackled, hand the ball to the official. And he was harping on them to do it. And one guy who wouldn't do it was LaShawn McCoy, and eventually what happened? He got shipped to Buffalo. Right. I mean, you, it's on the coaching staff to drill this into the heads of their players. And Mike McCarthy said after the game, we practice that every week. Well, maybe you should practice it every day because there were flaws on the back end right. execution. Right. Your quarterback's stayed up too long why do you have to get to the 24 and look i'm a dak guy i love dak right why do you have to get to the 24 the 30s fine he got a little greedy yes i mean you're you're doing surgery here you're not swinging a sledgehammer this is surgery and on top of it all chris you're dealing with officials who aren't necessarily ready for what's coming no that's exactly they don't know that this is coming that's what you're talking about they don't expect it they're saying oh i almost said it again like the rest of us so that's well, part of what you have to factor into these final seconds. Right. That you're going to have an umpire who's thinking, what the hell is going on? He ran the ball. Well, and also, like, okay, like you just talked about it and you said it. McCarthy said, we practice this every week. Dak, Okay, that's great. Do you practice it with a referee, though? Or do you just practice exactly. it at your own leisure and go, oh, hey, we're down here. Here's the ball. You take it center. Oh, look, everybody. We left time on the clock. We did it. Have they done it with 14 seconds left on the clock? You know, that's the first place I want to start. I know you heard me talk about this a little bit in the pregame show last night. Any team I was ever on, 18 seconds for any play that was, you know, let's say past five yards down the field for the most part, was kind of the line of demarcation to where you go, you're flirting with danger. For anything a past five-yard gain, if you got less than 17 seconds on the clock, 17 or less, you're going to cut it close with any significant gain plus five yards. That was the rule I was always taught. It's something that Josh McDaniels and Denver beat into our brains. It's something I heard Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots talk about when I worked there for a little bit. So that's a known thing within the NFL. That To run that play, and like you said, then to continue to run to get the extra yards, that's the first mistake. 
to really think that that was going to be realistic, that we were going to have that type of run, that type of gain, everybody was going to get lined up in 14 seconds? Wow, that's extremely ambitious, let alone, like we talked about, I guarantee they don't have a real referee at practice running down and acting like they have to do this. It's usually, yeah, the guy, here's Dak Prescott giving the ball to the center and we spiked it and yay, we did it. Or there's a ball boy who's down there waiting for the ball to come to him because he knows what's about to happen because it's practice and they do it and they give it to him and they go, hey, hey, we did it. But that's not the realistic way it's done in a football game. And I think that's where they lost sight of what actually needed to be done in that situation. From time to time, we'll hear stories about coaches telling officials to be on the lookout for certain things that the team plans right. to do. Now, I don't know how much advance notice would be, could be, or should be given for something like that. But, and I don't even know when you would do it. It's not like you tell them before the game, hey, we're thinking about doing an onside kick. Uh, right. Just, you know, just be ready for it when we kick off to start one of the two halves. Be ready for whatever. Be ready for this. Be ready for that. We're thinking about this. We're thinking about that. But it's clear that the umpire, uh, what you could just tell by the way he was moving, he was thinking, oh, bleep, oh, bleep, oh, bleep, right. oh, bleep. Right. Because he wasn't ready for that. Nobody was ready for that. We're all like, what the hell are the Cowboys doing? Yeah. But it's a combination of being a little too greedy because the 30 is fine. The difference between the 40 and the 30 is the difference between Hail Mary and five verticals. Let's hear from Mike McCarthy. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to encroach on what he said. Don't listen to me. Listen to the guy whose job may be riding on this fateful execution of the quarterback draw with 14 seconds left. Here's McCarthy. I've never seen that come down. You know, the way it came down, you know, as far as the collision between the umpire and the quarterback, um, you know, we were, um, you know, we we're you know, trying to get inside the 30 yard line to set up the last play. Uh, the mechanics were intact. I, I felt from our, from our end of it, um, in communication that I was given on the sideline that uh, they were reviewing it. They were going to put, you know, time back on the clock. And um, the next thing I know that uh, they're running off the field. So that's. That's all. That's the only facts I have for you. Go to New York to review. Or that's the only thing I got for you. You know. You were told that. You were told they're going to put. Time yeah, he thought he's going to put. They're going to put time back on the clock. We we call them thresholds and you know fill position what yard line you're at and which you're trying to get to too based on your know, defense that they were trying to the defense that they were playing they were in a sideline defense so they were protecting the sidelines and so that was the best option to you know to be able to get the ball I mean it's it's like anything else do you do you want to be running the hail mary play from the 50 yard line or you want to be running five verticals from the 25 yard line so that's the decision it's the right decision um, you know it's just like anything it's you know the the execution between us and the Officiating spotting the ball obviously wasn't in tune. Wasn't you know? We shouldn't have had any problem getting the ball spotted there. Just if that's is that the quote you're looking for? Yeah, so. I just well, you shouldn't man. have had any problem spotting the ball there because your quarterback should have gone down at the thirty and he should have handed the ball to the official. That's why you shouldn't have had any problem. That, that's, there. that's the chaos it. was caused. Yeah, and and again, I say all of this as a card carrying member of the Dak Prescott fan Agreed. club. Me too. It's because your quarterback didn't go down at the 30 and didn't give the ball to the official. And look, I'm not just going to blame Dak for this because you got to coach your quarterback. Yeah. To do the and and uh, let's yeah, I, I got a lot of things I could say and I have a feeling I'm going to say them. Let's hear from Dak while we regroup okay. and choose our next sentences carefully. Here's Dak talking about the final play. I mean, in hindsight, yeah, I can say I should have, I could have went down sooner if I'd have known all of that was going to play out that way. But 
Um, I also think if I don't get hit from behind, it's a it's a clean, and we're we're, we're clocking the ball with it with at minimum a second, if not more, if not two or three uh, on the clock. And um, as I said, their guy did a good job too of diving on me right there at the end of giving them a extra two seconds, I guess, to run off. But yeah, I mean, if we're if we're looking at it now, I could say yeah, I could have went down five yards earlier, but um, thought I'd got us in position and thought I had time left to to clock the ball, as I said, and something that we've practiced over and over and was going to be able to get into um, a last play scenario. Can you hand the ball to the umpire, or does that Tyler's job? How, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, no, we've practiced it. You hand it, you hand it to, the, to the center. The umpire, all he has to do is usually come in and tap the ball. That's baloney. See, that oh, boy, that's, that's baloney. Yeah. You don't get to choose the spot of the ball. You don't get to decide where the ball goes, and the umpire just comes like and taps practice. it that's as like some practice sort of mechanical there. exercise. Yeah. The reason you have to hand it to the official is the official puts the ball at the spot where the prior play ended. And it's a failure of coaching. It's a failure of execution, but it's a failure of coaching to properly execute. And, you know, the way Dak explained it, he's right. He's right, but it's not the official's fault. They created the scenario where the official is, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, his way down the field to try to get in position to set the ball and let them proceed. And, you know, hey, sometimes when Indiana Jones reaches back for his hat under the stone door, the stone door lands on his arm. That's what makes it so exciting. They did the equivalent of Indiana Jones reaching back under the door for his for his hat and the door crushed their arm. That's And sometimes that happens, folks. Sometimes your hero's arm gets crushed by the stone door. That's why it's so exciting when he gets his hat. If that makes any sense whatsoever, if you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. But that's kind of what they were doing. Hey, he was feeling a little swashbuckly, if that's a word. He was thinking he was going to get away with it until the official ran into him. It's not the official's fart, uh, fart or fault. <laughs> fault. You created maybe, maybe fart too. Maybe that's an explanation. But you created the scenario where chaos happened. You're responsible for it. Chris, uh, uh, without a doubt. First off, you ran into the the official. That's the first thing. Like you said, the Cowboys want to act like they're making up the rules. We'll, we'll we'll tell you where we went down, and we'll spot the ball. And the ref just needs to look at it and go, "That's good." All right, that's the first thing that's annoying. First off, there's a clear, you know, you know, like no understanding, misunderstanding again of 17 yard play with 14 seconds left. They, 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 that's not even on their radar. They think they should get that off. That, that to me is the first thing that they, they don't even, they haven't really practiced this all that closely or studied it that closely to know. Because I could promise you the numbers won't bear out that 14 seconds and a 17-yard gain is something that's really doable that way. The referee busted his ass to get there. He tried as hard as he can. Dak Prescott was busy looking across the field at the other clock. If he got out of the way, maybe he would have got there in time. But he was too busy looking at the clock. That's the, the second thing that bothers me. Thirdly, it's not even close. Like, they're talking about we want to put team, clock, time on the clock. I don't even know if they got the snap off before it hit double zero. Let alone they want time on the clock from the spike. That, that, that to me is crazy. All right? And then here's the last thing that annoys me a little bit about the tone. Like, like they act like they were definitely going to win the game if that got spotted. Like it was, it was going to be a game-winning field goal. <laughs> like it was, it's a chip shot field goal. We we're going to win it. They messed it up. We were going to win it. No, you're going to have to throw a ball into eight defenders and see where it goes from there. You know. And again, I know there's a chance, but it was limited percentage. So they're, they're, uh, I just, I'm a little annoyed 
with the way Dallas is trying to portray this right now. And it's been happening a lot. It happened on Thanksgiving where they didn't want pass interference called, even though they did it all game long. It happened two weeks ago in the Cardinals game. They were, oh, we have to fight the refs and the other team. Wah, wah, wah. This is why you're at home. You're making excuses. That's why. And that's all I can really say. And I like the Cowboys, and I'm a Dak Prescott fan hugely, no doubt about it. But they messed it up, and they have no one to blame but themselves. It's an institutional arrogance that starts at the very top and permeates the entire organization that things are just going to go our way because we're the Cowboys. And we're going to get a few extra seconds. We're going to get a chance to run another play. It is crazy. We're the Cowboys. And the official is going to not run into our quarterback or not not uh, or forget let our quarterback it. He doesn't even need to spot the ball. We're so arrogant. Hey, the referee doesn't even spot yeah. it. We spot we it. We just give it to the center. Yeah, he'll we spot give it. To the center. Right. All the official has to do is look at it. Right. I mean, it's, that's almost what Dak said, and it's coming from the coaching staff. And you know, two things that I thought of as you were explaining your points extremely well. I don't know why I'm being nice to you today. <laughs> I guess I am glad you're back. Um, <laughs> You, you know, Dak, Dak should have stepped back. I mean, you got to roll out the red carpet. You know that the official right. has to touch it. Right. Even if you're wrong, that you get to spot it. You know the official has to touch it. Get the hell out of his way. That's it. Understand that he's right. coming. Right. Move. Yes. How, uh, uh, red carpet treatment for the official so he can come touch the ball because you can't do anything until he touches the ball. It's uh, Dak, Dak was... He was not even thinking in that moment that an official had to come touch, touch the ball. And one last point, too. You mentioned how they'd be defending the end zone, that this is hardly a gimme right. from the 24-yard line. Chris, that's all the more reason to go down at the 30. Yeah. Because in my mind, in my experience of watching football for 50 years, you snap the ball from the 30, it's a lot harder to put eight guys in the end zone on the snap. It is. It you get to the, the 24, right. You get to the 24, yeah. it's a lot easier to back everybody up to the goal line. Because if you're at the 30, if you're at the 30 and you over-defend the end zone, you put yourself in a position where there's going to be a hook and ladder, which they did earlier in the drive, or something like that, yeah, to get sure. the ball to the end zone, short of the end zone on the throw, to the end zone on the run. 25 and in. It's a lot easier to, to flood the end zone. No They'd doubt. have been better off executing that last play from the third. Yeah, you, you make a good point. It definitely is less real estate to work with. You know, once you get down there close, to, to your point is exact. You know, they can cram everybody in the end zone for the most part. Have everybody right at the goal line. Have a bunch of guys right behind that, and you got nowhere to go. You're a little farther back. To your point, you know, you might be able to throw a ball and complete it at the six yard line, and maybe he runs in. Or nonetheless, it just spreads them out a little bit more to where it gives you a little bit of a hole. If Dak does escape the pocket, now he's got to drive a ball into that hole. You know, there's a little more room for that altogether. Bottom line is, 49ers are a better team, period. They showed that. They were the better team throughout. The only reason the Cowboys got back in the game was really because of 49ers self-inflicted mistakes. I didn't even look at it as like, oh, wow, the Cowboys have taken over the momentum of the football game or they're really outplaying the 49ers. If they did, I would say that. I never got the sense that that was going on. I don't think you did. Anybody I was watching the game here with NBC, we all clearly thought the 49ers were the better football team. And yeah, Dallas, you know, again, I, they're arrogance. They're a little overrated. They beat up on the weak NFC East all year. You know, their other teams they beat were not all that great. You know, again, I just the, the expectations 
I think we're a little too high for their whole franchise. And I understand they had Super Bowl aspirations, uh, and I get that. And they expected to win a home playoff game. But the team they played, the team that came into town, was better than them, period. And I still think they're, you know, a piece or two away from being a legit Super Bowl team, as we saw yesterday. At one point yesterday, it felt like a more significant game than a wild card. It felt almost like a conference championship. And I think part of the way it felt it felt like that was because in my lifetime, I've seen these teams yeah. cross paths so many times in conference championships. It was their first playoff matchup since 1994 when the Cowboys finally lost to the 49ers and the 49ers went on to win the Super Bowl with Steve Young at quarterback. But there's so much that is riding on advancing or not advancing. If the 49ers blow that game up 23-7, Jimmy G's not on. even on the plane back, right, right. right? It's like Antonio Brown. He's going to be calling an Uber outside AT&T Stadium. He's off the team. Now that the Cowboys have lost, and I had somebody texting me, somebody who's been involved in the league apparatus for years, upset because Tony Romo was mentioning Kellen Moore so much, and it was creating this sense almost that McCarthy's job was on the line in this game and that Kellen Moore is going to become the head coach. My reaction was, this isn't Tony Romo trying to make something happen. This is Tony Romo allowing the things he's hearing, I think. Exactly. I think you're right. To to come out in his call, just like when when we all thought he was Karnak in his first year as uh, an analyst at CBS – you know, the reality was when you go to practice and you see these plays and you see these situations, you got a pretty good idea when it's time to play the game, what may happen. And he's dialed back in, in part because I think people were starting to call him out for that. Yeah. He, he has inside information. He's been talking to people. He's not trying to drive a narrative that he crafted. He's trying to be right as to what ultimately happens. And I think Mike McCarthy is in trouble. Because Kellen Moore is in demand. Dan Quinn is in demand, although I think they're far more likely to give the job to Kellen Moore and hope that Dan Quinn doesn't get a head coaching job somewhere else. Or at a minimum, create a scenario now where McCarthy's clock is ticking even more loudly and Kellen Moore takes over as soon as a year from now. Uh, If not during the 2022 season, just like Jason Garrett finally took over for Wade Phillips during the 2010 season when Jerry Jones made it abundantly clear he would never fire a coach during the season. He fired Wade Phillips during the season. It's just starting to feel like that's where this is potentially going. And I think if Jerry Jones is capable of objectively looking at what happened yesterday, especially in the end-of-game scenario, end-of-season scenario, everything you worked for, this is why you lift all them weights, as Parcells once said. It comes down to that kind of a miscalculation of execution and of estimation of how much time you really needed. Right. When in that moment, that the pressure of that moment, when the flaws become that glaring, that's the kind of thing that should make, should make. And I'm not calling for Mike McCarthy to be fired. I'm calling for an objective assessment of the situation by the Cowboys. That's the kind of thing that should make people take a step back and say, do we have in I place that's happening. the yeah. coaching yeah. staff? Right. That allows us to get to where we want to go. Yeah. Or is whether, you know, it's just like the same thing was with Jimmy G. Is Jimmy G, when, is, is it just a matter of when, not if, Jimmy G is going to derail our Super Bowl run? Is it a matter of when, not if, our coaching staff, our head coach is going to derail our Super Bowl run? And frankly, frankly, Kellen Moore's part of it too. 
Kellen Moore's there every practice. They're running that that quarterback. I was, was going to say that. Where's his coaching right? and the mechanics of right. that? Exactly. He's part of this. Right. He's got responsibility for it as well. No doubt about it. He's the offensive coordinator. He is part of it. That's right. This is on them. That's on both of them. It's it's a little bit of a lack of detail of the the situation in general. Mike, I I agree with you. I think those rumblings are out there in the NFL world. You know, as far as you know, people don't look at Mike McCarthy as being like the most, he's there for a long time, things are going great. No. I mean, again, first year was an absolute debacle. Last year, 2020, was an absolute debacle. And then you talk about the things that it takes to be a successful coach, and you go, wait, another year of weird situational coaching and clock management, especially early in the year, we talked about it a lot. The most penalized team in football, that says a lot. Again, that goes down into coaching and coaching those details on a weekly basis. You know, it can't just be, oh, we're going to be aggressive and do whatever we want. We're the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, it seems like that's the way they took the field a lot. And then, of course, yeah, yesterday where, you know, when you listen to Jerry Jones' postgame press conference, uh, it's he sounds like he was heartbroken. Like he really expected them to win this football game. That expectations, I think, were probably a little too high. And... Uh, I'm, I'm Mike, I, I, I think that's, I, I do. I think that's probably on the radar. I, I've, I've heard enough in the NFL world to think that might be on the radar. Now, what I would go is go, I don't know, Kellen Moore, good coach. I'm not sitting here ready yet to go offensive genius head coach material. I, absolutely not. I mean, come on. The Dallas Cowboys offense is the problem of the football team the last seven weeks of the year. That's the other thing. Now, is their talent a little – their offensive line's overrated. I think we've all seen that now. It's not a special offensive line. They got issues. You know, I know Zach Martin's still awesome. Lyle Collins is pretty good. Tyrone Smith is getting old. And then they got two guys in the middle that are less than. They got dominated yesterday. You know, but uh, I, I just um, – I, I look at the offense in general with Kellen Moore, too, and just go, what, there, there's nothing special. Very few pre-snap moment. I break it on my podcast a little bit. It's always very simple passing concepts, Mike. So I don't know where it goes from Dallas, but they got their hands full with a few subjects here in the next few weeks. I know what I would do if I was Jerry Jones. I would do something that he came incredibly close to doing a few years ago. And if you buy a copy, I didn't intend to do this, but it just kind of lines up perfectly. If you buy a copy of Playmakers, my book that comes out March 15, there is a story told in there about just how close, and I don't want to spoil it, but just how close Jerry Jones came a few years back to hiring Sean Payton. Yeah. And you, Chris, I know that, it's not about JFK, so you're probably not going to read it. <laughs> but but if you were to read Playmakers, you would be stunned at how close the Cowboys came to hiring Sean Payton a few years ago and why it didn't happen. Ooh. That's what I'm not going to share. I'm not going like to share it. the why. All right. Why it didn't happen will blow your freaking mind. Pre-order now, wherever book. I might have to read this purchased. crap. And I might have to read this Mike Florio also, crap after all. Please don't all. waste your time <laughs> reading that crap. Also, speaking of that, because I've said, I, I've decided that the Aaron Rodgers quote, and I know it's going to start playing any second now, Yeah, I want that when I die yeah. on my tombstone by the time, hopefully, hopefully by the time I die, since it will be, you know, ideally years from now, there will be the technology to have a weatherproofed LED 
flat screen, <laughs> solar powered with that clip right. over and over again <laughs> okay. in perpetuity. Okay. And then on, and then here it comes. And then for those of you who like don't Mike know Ford, what I'm talking don't about, don't waste your there time it is. Reading, uh, reading crap like that. Boom. <laughs> That's on one side of the tombstone. Yeah. On the on the other side, right. and I, I, I don't know what I'm privy to say, and I'm not going to give you the money quote. I'm aware. I've caught wind of a review of Playmakers that is coming, I think, later this week. There's a money quote there that will be engraved on the other side of the tombstone. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Okay. So, Like, uh, this is a good so, quote? This isn't like, read that crap? This is something, like, positive here review? Or? It is... It is... It is a perfect description of who I am. Yeah. Or what I do. Right. And and what I do and who I am, I'll, I'll admit it. I'm not going to act like that this is a put on. That I try to be authentic. What I am and who I am and what I do, it's all pretty much the same thing. So anyway, anyway. Uh, jerk, um, jerk, jerk, snarky comment, copy, paste, snarky uh, comment. That's what you are. I got it. Yeah. And anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, maybe now's the time to go get Sean Payton. And and really, really, if Sean Payton's ever going to say thanks now's for the, the memories, time. I don't know Orleans, who my quarterback is. Let me get it. out of here. Yes. Yeah, right. Now's the time right. to do it. Right. I, I, I remember, I, I feel like I remember this, you know, with the, the little Sean Payton Dallas Cowboy thing. I do. Of course, we know there's a relationship there. There's a history there. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've really never seen that in the NFL, at least in my era, other than the John Gruden from the Raiders to the Bucks to, to work out that trade. First round picks, some money, a few other things thrown in there. I can't remember. Two first round picks. Yeah. Two first round picks, two second round picks, $8 million. Ooh, man. I Listen. I, you know, again, if you think your team's ready, you know, maybe you make a type that type of move. But I, I don't imagine I don't imagine that happening. I still think they're going to stay the course with Mike McCarthy. The year still exceeded expectations, at least for me. I didn't expect them to be at any point during the year. We looked at them at one point in the midway point. We went, wow, the Cowboys might be able to win the Super Bowl. They're that good. And then when the defense line got healthy, you went, whoa, I think they can win the Super Bowl. But really, from about that point on, when the defensive line got healthy, it was weeks before that, right where where Dak Prescott was never the same after he hurt his calf calf muscle in New England. They never regained that offensive magic and and just explosiveness that they had early on in the football year. And that, to me, is where the 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 team didn't line up. The offense kind of carried the defense early on in the year. They kind of stumbled. They gutted through some games. Defense got really good, and the offense fell apart down the stretch. And uh, Dak Prescott certainly did not play like he did before he hurt his ankle last year or before he hurt his calf muscle this year. And I think that's the disappointing, too, You know that their, their offense and some of their stars there did not show up in some of the biggest moments. Uh, and, and, you know, the reality is Jerry Jones has an increasing sense of urgency with each passing year to try to get back to the Super Bowl and win it, so you never know what he ultimately will do in an effort to make that happen. But it feels like he has built the team. He and Steven and others like Will McClay, who signed a contract extension over the weekend, big part of the personnel department, he's going to stick around. Is the coaching what's letting them down? And, and all I'm saying is engage in the objective assessment. 
take a step back, set aside your pride and your ego and whatever the buyout would be. And I'm not saying fire Mike McCarthy. All I'm saying is engage in obje- an objective assessment of where your coaching staff is. Because I'm, as I said earlier, I'm not so sure Kellen Moore is ready to be given the reins. And if I'm one of these other you. teams interested in Kellen Moore, I'm I'm very I'm not concerned sure about right. what happened yesterday yeah. as well. Because attention to detail make, can make all the difference and did make all the difference on Sunday. Let's take a break. When we return, I've been delaying this one as much as I can. I got a bad batch. Oh, pasta baby, pasta and meatballs bad didn't work. Batch. A German woman named Heike made your meatballs this week. It wasn't good. <laughs> Ergo grew. <laughs> yeah, wasn't er- good. Er- Ergo grew. It <laughs> wasn't mom's Ergo recipe. Ergo made the pasta and meatballs, <laughs> and it uh, didn't go well for me, and more importantly, it didn't go well for Big Ben and the Steelers. We'll discuss the Sunday night game when PFT Live continues right after this. Big Ben, Big Ben, Big Ben, Big Ben. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long, but Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. We'll go first to Donna Kelsey. I'm sorry, what? Yes, it's it's your mom. <laughs> What's up, mom? I'm glad you made it. Well, yeah, I know. I actually made it at, at a disappointing Tampa game. This was an elation to see you get a touchdown in a playoff game. I mean, oh my gosh, how good did that feel? How good did that feel after all these years? Oh, man, to finally throw a touchdown like I used to tell my mom when I was like five years old, I was going to eventually throw a touchdown in the National Football League. Uh, I finally got it done. It only took me nine years. That's a good question, though, Mom. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's, it's so fun, and that's what makes sports so great because you can be depressed in the morning and elated in the evening. So <laughs> There you go. Glad, glad I could put a smile on your face. Love you, Mom. Yeah, you too. Love you, too. She's the best, man. (laughs) Donna Kelsey, the mother of Travis and Jason Kelsey, attended both games. Both games. She was in Tampa for the Eagles' loss to the Bucs and then 
hightailed it to Kansas City wow. for the night game Impressive. to watch her son, Travis. Can we pull up that image, though? I have one comment to make about, about his coach? Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Now, he looks like, to me, a bowl of cereal that came to life. That's <laughs> what he looks like. Can we see it? Look at it. Look at it. This like is Captain Crunch Fruity Pebbles. When you mix it all together, you ever, <laughs> right. you ever get down to the bottom of two different boxes and you mix it together? He looks like a bowl of a couple of different cereals mixed together. There's the milk in the middle. Came to life. That's I, Travis Kelsey. Lives. Hey, I, I don't I don't know. I wouldn't sport that coat, but like Travis Kelsey is way cooler than you and me. I know that. <laughs> well, that's yes. for sure. Yes. He's like, that, that, that coat's probably like in high demand and costs a lot of money. And like, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of young people that are in their middle 20s that go, oh, he's got that coat. I mean, he's Mr. Style guy. He really is. So I'm sure that's some designer fashion wear that neither one of us can afford. And last night of all nights is the night to wear it. When you yeah. throw the touchdown pass, when you have 108 receiving yards and a touchdown and your team after, and you got to admit. Oh, I was nervous. nervous. I looked at you. you I looked at, at our producer, Matt Casey. <laughs> when they picked up the fumble and ran for a touchdown, we looked at each other and we literally said four letter word. Floria. That's what we went. Four-letter <laughs> word, I-N, Floria. <laughs> we were like, well, oh, that, my gosh, here we go. <laughs> we can put that on the top of the tombstone. You know, that's wasted real estate. That 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 rough part on the top, yeah. you could just kind of put that. could be the ribbon on the top of my tombstone okay. as well. Okay. Because I've been, I've been told in the past, yeah. as uh, this may come as a shock to you, that's how I'm known in the league office. Yeah, I've, um, I, I think you're known in a lot of offices like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's double F. What's his first name? His initials are F and F. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last yeah. night it was uh, the F and Steelers that after that 7 nothing lead, you know, the problem was when your offense just – just isn't going to show up when your offense isn't going to do anything. At some point, the defense is going to bend to the will of Patrick Mahomes and company. And after a rough start, after that seven, nothing hole, the chiefs woke up and they woke up in a big way. And I think the key is after the chiefs score their first touchdown, when the Steelers have no answer whatsoever, that's when the floodgates open. Yeah. And it's seven, seven, 14, seven, 21, seven, 28. And it's just it. It's done. It's done, and I thought it was going to be 61-7 Dan Marino, see you later, finish. At least it wasn't quite that bad once it started to to go downhill. But one, look at that. Look at that. Jerick McKinnon, hey. Jerick McKinnon hey. is the guy who was pretty good for the Vikings for four years. Yes, Went to San Francisco, never did anything because of a chronic knee problem. Right. What, what, what a guy to have in the back of your pocket when Clyde Edwards-Alaire isn't available and Daryl Williams isn't 100%. This should be the guy. I, and I've talked about this on my podcast a little bit, Mike. To me, he's, he's the most explosive of the group. I, I hope that last night proved to them that, hey, we should play this guy more. You could see he's dangerous. He has the ability to catch the ball and make people miss and really, you know, collect some yards with the ball in his hands after the catch, you know, whatever, in the running game. Uh, they're, they're the damnedest thing I've ever seen. They really are. I've never seen anything like the Kansas City Chiefs. You know me. I'm obsessed with football, whether it's before I was born or after I was born. I've never seen anything like it. You know, and again, maybe there's a team earlier before 1980 that you could tell me that was like this, but to where – 
I just never seen a team feed off of momentum or look so average and normal to where I mean, Coach Dungey and I are sitting there just going, I mean, they're off. I mean, here, here there's, there's, you know, we got all the camera. There's people open. He doesn't want to throw it. He's looking at the rush. What the hell's going on? And he doesn't want to run it. The safeties are 40 yards deep. We're going, oh my gosh, they're playing bad. And then just out of nowhere, it's like, what? You pissed us off and made us fumble and scored a touchdown. Now we're going to come kick your butt. And then they just turn it on, and it's momentum and plays like you've never seen before from any team in the history of football. I just, I'm amazed by them. They really are. It's like, it's like an NBA team. It's just, oh, here they go. They're going on a run. And all of a sudden you look up and they go, well, they scored four touchdowns in the last five minutes of the game. I mean, they're, they're amazing. And it was, it was like that, that fumble woke them up and like they took a jab in the face and were like, wait, this is the playoffs. Screw the Steelers. Screw Florio. Let's go. Let's put the pedal to the metal. Here we go. We've talked about this before, though, as it relates to the Chiefs. It reminds me of that great basketball team where you can count on an 18-2 to two run right. at some point. Right. It's like it's the gonna Warriors. It's going to happen at some point. Yeah, that's right. You're up, yeah. you're up five. You're up six. You're feeling pretty good about yourself. It's the second half. Yes. And then all of a sudden, it's yep. and it's done. Yes. And they just break your back, and it's over. It, it is. Uh, it's, uh, it's unreal. It really is. And, it, it, it's, and it's through the system. You know, the system all of a sudden starts to look good. Even the play calling. I mean, Biennemi and Andy Reid, they seem like they're a momentum group as well. You know, so all of a sudden that works. And then, oh, wait, the system falters a little bit, but it doesn't matter. We got the momentum going now. And now Mahomes makes some crazy play and Kelsey's making crazy plays. And it just catches fire with their football team. And then it filters over to the defense, to where the defense can feel it. And now they're, oh, we're going to be in your face, and we're going to cause some plays and issues. And uh, they're they're amazing like that. They just have some players that are capable of taking over a game in certain moments on both sides of the ball, and that's why they're so dangerous. And it's why, you know, again, it's even though it's not their best year we've seen, it's just how do you not look at them and go, they're definitely one of the two favorites in the AFC to go to the Super Bowl, just because. I just you, you can't ever count these guys out. Travis Kelsey with his touchdown pass to That's Byron awesome. Pringle, first career NFL touchdown pass. As I mentioned, five catches, 108 yards, and a touchdown for him. Jarek McKinnon had 142 yards from scrimmage and a receiving touchdown. Patrick Mahomes, 30 for 39, 404, Woo. five touchdowns, one pick. Here's Mahomes from after the game on overcoming a slow start that almost had me feasting on pasta and meatballs for breakfast. <laughs> I think we all were kind of talking. I think we were all pissed off at ourselves. We felt like we weren't playing with enough energy. We felt like we weren't executing at a high enough level um, and, and not playing with enough urgency. And so I thought guys really motivated themselves. We all kind of talked. It wasn't like one person talking. It was everybody talking to each other. Um, and we came with a different urgency starting in that second quarter and kind of carried it the rest of the, the rest of the game. Yeah, and absolutely positively that is what happened and off they went and that's what they're capable of. And there are times where it feels like they're forcing it and so many teams, and that's what makes it so amazing that they can do it because for most teams, you get the idea, Chris, in the first 15 minutes of the game that it's just not working tonight. Yeah, that's right. You can keep you can keep banging right. your head into the wall. Right. The wall's not going anywhere. Right. But they, they can blow they up can the wall. It. Yeah, yeah. They're right. That's the, I mean, they've proven that to us. Yeah, I mean, you just go back to the Super Bowl run, what they did there, 24 nothing. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, it's not our day. We're sleepwalking. All right, here we go. Let's go. Let's wake up. Boom. 
You know, the AFC Championship game, the Super Bowl. It was a struggle. It was 20 to 10 with six minutes left. And all of a sudden, they scored 20 points in the last five minutes of the Super Bowl against the best defense in the league. That's where they truly are amazing. They really are. And, you know, early mistakes, you know, uh, Mahomes trying to throw the ball across his body. TJ Watt makes a phenomenal play there. And you were, you're right. You were thinking, uh oh, this is, this looks like it's going to be one of these ugly. Maybe the Steelers can get one offensive touchdown and they're going to get a few field goals and maybe win some ugly football game. But, uh, you know, after this play here where the fumble return touchdown, he hits he hits Tyree Kill, I think, on the first play of the next drive for like a 20, 25-yard gain on a deep cross, and they never looked back. And they just took over the football game from both sides, and you saw the best of the Chiefs. And then we started to see, again, some of the flaws we've seen from the Steelers all year long. It all came, you know, to the top here and and the worst situation possible. And look, I, I, I love the Super Wild Card weekend. I love the 14 teams in the playoffs, and it's not like it's ever going to go back now. And and for as closely matched as some of these teams seemed this year, and yeah. there wasn't a dominant team, yeah, it really did feel like in the two versus seven games. Yeah, that is seven had no business being no, on the field. Oh, that's what I'm scared of. And then we talk about it, they might might go to eight. I just go, damn, what who are we gonna have in the playoffs at eight? Some team that's gonna lose sixty to nothing on wild card weekend. You know, but yeah, I, I do worry about that. You're right. It is it is different. Um, you know, again, but but we'll see. I mean, it's not gonna change. But yes, I that thought came to my mind yesterday too, Mike. It's like, eh, well, this is what happens when you have a seventh team. You know, we're sitting here early in the third quarter kind of going, game's over. It's done. There's no way they're going to come back. Mahomes and them put the foot on the throat, and they're not taking it off. Uh, just just amazing, though, nonetheless, on both sides of the ball. And, and sorry to see Big Ben go. You know, again, what great, great job just fighting through the year. He certainly, you know, is not a special player at this point of his career. But, man, his career was special, and he was special for that team. And, uh, you know, shame to see him go out that way. And again, at least it wasn't as bad as it was for Dan Marino against the Jaguars in the last game of his career in the 1999 playoffs. And he had a primetime game and one more chance to go out there. And they did have, at least for a while, a sense that lightning would strike in their favor. Uh, but, you know, in both of the two versus seven games, by the time we got to the third quarter. Yeah, it was over. It's, it's like, you know, we're watching it because it's a playoff game and right. it's football and there's only so many of these games left this year. But you're waiting for something to happen that almost never happens, especially when you're talking about the talent gap between two and seven. It's not like if the 17 was up 31 nothing, then maybe you think the number two team can wake it up. But it just it just it yeah. felt like right. it, it was it was a mismatch. And, maybe you know, it's I think it's going to be a while before we have one of these seven teams that's ready to really handle the uh, the second seed when we return. The Bills, were they ready to handle the Patriots? Uh, some thought they weren't. Some thought they were. The Bills came out and proved on Saturday night that they most definitely were with a historic performance offensively against Bill Belichick and company. We'll talk about that next here on PFT Live.
I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.